You are listening to episode 23 of the Sunday Shakeout, featuring an April 2023 global running update. Hello and welcome to the Sunday Shakeout. I am your host, Nicholas. This episode features a global running update for April of 2023. I don't just like to talk about training and training only because there's more to the sport of running than just the training. It is both fun and a good learning experience to stay informed about what is going on in the world of running. Additionally, it is inspiring to see the greats perform on the biggest stage. During global running updates, I talk all about things that have happened recently in the world of track and field. Anything from track races to cross country to road races. In this episode, we are talking about the Boston Marathon and the London Marathon, two of the six major marathons. If you can surmount the immense competition, you will become a legend with your name going down in history. If you are new to the Sunday Shakeout, this show features guest interviews, training analysis and tips, gear reviews, and more. With tips for beginning, intermediate, and advanced runners alike, listeners will be provided with insightful information that will help them get faster, stay injury-free, and be happy. The Boston Marathon and the London Marathon are both some of the most anticipated marathons of all time. In this year's Boston Marathon, the undisputed marathon goat, Elliot Kipchoge, looks to add his name into the history books in Boston. And with Boston's unique hills and elevation changes, anything is possible. In this year's London Marathon, the field is loaded with some of the fastest marathoners of all time, and on both the men's and the women's side, history is made. So without further delay, please enjoy my April 2023 Global Running Update. Alright, so let's talk about Boston first. Kipchoge first announced, I think it was like December of 2022, maybe around there, uh, that he'd be racing Boston. I think it was like in an NN running team video or something like that. Uh, But going into the race, people were predicting that Elliot Kipchoge would break the course record. I think it was set by Jeffrey Mutai. Uh, I think he ran 203.02, I think, in 2011. And that day in 2011, I think, was a rare and special day. And this was mainly due to the weather and the perfect weather that they had on that day. They had a tailwind going for pretty much all the race, I think. And that let uh, Mutai and his competitors really get away and run really fast times. Additionally, Ryan Hall, who is the arguably probably an American legend in the marathon, he essentially acted like a pacer for the first half marathon. He broke the wind, and then, yeah, he faded back to fourth in later stages. I mean, that's kind of the price you pay for breaking the wind. However, Hall ran the fastest marathon time ever by an American uh, in 2 hours, 4 minutes, and 58 seconds, or something like that. And so, basically, when Kipchoge announced that he was racing Boston back in December, the first thing I thought about was him breaking the course record. However, with a pretty stacked Boston field, it might not be as easy as it seems. And when we're really talking about Boston, there are two things that you have to keep in mind. First, you have to keep in mind the unpredictable weather. Some years in Boston, you know, it's sunny skies, um, 50 degrees, no rain, nice, um, no wind in your face. Uh, Other years, it's nasty, like the 2018 Boston Marathon, where it's 
an absolute downpour. It's like a, um, <laughs> just terrible. And anybody could win in those conditions. So you gotta watch out for that. Additionally, something special about Boston is there are no pacers. Uh, there's nobody up front who's pacing the race. Um, and this essentially means that the tempo is unpredictable. Sometimes people like CJ Albertson might try to ring out the first uh, half marathon like super fast and break away and try to win the race. And while I haven't seen like something like that happen since, well, the 2018 Boston Marathon, it surely could happen. So at the start of the race, it was around 49 degrees Fahrenheit and it was overcast. So this is, to put this in perspective, for running, I think like the, the ideal temperature is like 45 degrees. So this is almost perfect conditions. Um, however, there was a lot of wind. There was six to seven miles per hour wind, and this could greatly affect the runners. And there was also some rain that was trying to make its way through, but couldn't quite make it yet. So overall, it was a pretty nice day for a marathon. And like expected, Kipchoge took, out, took control quickly and split 14.17 for the first 5K. This is a really blisteringly fast pace. However, it's not super surprising because if you look a lot at the Boston eleva elevation changes and all that, the f opening half marathon is almost completely downhill. So this 14-17 5K somewhat made sense. Now, over the opening 10K, the pace was still super quick. I think they split a time of somewhere around 28 minutes and 52, se 52 seconds. Now, the pace was starting to slow down a little bit because the rain actually started to make its appearance. Uh, so, you know, how I talked about maybe Kipchoge wanted to break the, uh, the course record. Well, at this point, their projected finish was around 204 with Kipchoge leading the way. And so, it was kind of drifting out of sight for Kipchoge. Now, the competition up front was still strong. It wasn't like Kipchoge broke away from the pack. We had lots of East Africans, including Kenyans, and then, uh, Ethiopians and Tanzanians, as expected. We have Gabriel Gie, Vincent Kipruto who is the 2021 Boston Marathon champion. And then we have Evan Chibet, the defending 2022 Boston Marathon champion. And so with all of those Kenyans, you know, you'd expect, oh, it's only a Kenyan pack or it's only an East African pack. But yay, we had an American in there, Connor Mance, yay. Okay, that's just a couple Americans. I think we also had like CJ Albertson in there. But the point is we had one American, so that's great. Uh, at the 30k split, I think we spl they split around 1 hour, 29 minutes, and 23 seconds. However, after this point, something crazy happened. Gabriel Guillet from Tanzania put up a huge surge. Nobody else went with him, and Kipchoge fell to the back of the pack. It was unclear at the time whether Kipchoge was saving energy, conserving energy for like the final hills, or if he was really struggling. However, it became apparent over the next few minutes that Kipchoge kept falling. And at the 35k split, Kipchoge was almost totally out of the camera shot, hitting the 35k split in a full minute slower than the lead guys. And so at this point, it was a battle between Evans Chibet and Gabriel Guillet. However, it became clear that over the final stages, n nobody could keep up with Chibet, as he ran a final mile of around 4.45 and crossed the, he crossed the line in 2 hours, 5 minutes, and 54 seconds. And so he defended his Boston Marathon title. Gabriel Gueye finished second, barely edging out Vincent Kipruto, and Kipchoge came home sixth. However, he did maintain his form. And you know, there was a lot of stuff like, oh my gosh, Kipchoge's on the downhill he ran. He came in sixth at the Boston Marathon. I mean, come on. This guy, he ran 209 on an off day, a time that many elites would just dream of running. 
And so I don't, I don't, I don't say that Kipchoge is on the downhill. I think I need more evidence of that. I just think he had a bad day. We all have bad days. We're humans. We're not robots. Kipchoge might seem, <laughs> seem like he's above, he's like superhuman, but he's human and he's still the greatest of all time. I do find it a little interesting how he fell off though, because through 30k, obviously he had, a, um, I think it was average pace was like 440, uh, 450 per mile, but then the final 10k, it was like 515 per mile. So it wasn't just like, oh, I'll hit the wall and I'll drop like um, 10 seconds per mile. It was how I'll hit the wall and I'll drop 25 seconds per mile. I do give him credit though for finishing the race and, you know, not dropping out. Uh, I know that there's a lot of pride in that, but uh, I give props to Kipchoge for finishing the race. Now, obviously it's a it's an anomaly that Kipchoge uh, didn't win a marathon because he's only lost now three marathons in his entire career. You know, there are many theories uh, out there. One of them is that he missed a water checkpoint, and obviously nutrition is essential. Um, so yeah, there are many theories about why uh, Kipchoge may have, you know, not won the race. So yes, he did miss his water bottle sometime pretty much after the 30k split, and then he was dropped pretty much immediately after that. So the key takeaway here is nutrition is key. It's a big deal. However, how I see it, there were only a couple minutes between the time Kipchoge missed his bottle in the time when he got dropped. And so I think in this brief amount of time, I just don't see how that uh, could affect Kipchoge that bad and how he could just drop like a rock that bad. So I don't know. Um, I think that, you know, the bottle, missing the bottle made a difference at the end of the race. I don't think it made a huge difference in the moment. So, I mean, you know, there are lots of theories. Another one is over the second half of the race, it started to rain. And you have to remember that Kipchoge is wearing Nike Alpha Flies. He's wearing the Nike Alpha Fly Next Percent 2. And his competitors, I think many of them were sponsored by Adidas or Adidas rather than Nike. I think the the first three, uh, Evans Chibet, um, Gabriel Guille, and who finished third? Uh, yeah, Capruto. I think that, yeah, they're sponsored by Adidas, I'm pretty sure. And so their shoes are slightly different. Um, I think they wear like the Audios Pro 2 or something like that, or Audios Pro 3, something like that. But the point is, um, it could be possible that the Nike Alpha Flies got waterlogged and saturated with water, causing more weight to be added. And if you're a runner, um, if you're <laughs> also if you're a runner who lives in the Pacific Northwest, you will know that if you've ever run in shoes that has like waterlogged or it has rain. It will be so miserable. I've done workouts in waterlogged shoes and it just feels like you're like running, you're like swimming, literally, because both lactic acid if you're doing a workout and then the shoes. And in a post-race interview um, the next day, he said that, you know, he couldn't lift his left leg. He was having problems lifting his left leg. And obviously, if you can't lift your left leg that well and you can't generate power, then running fast is gonna be a big problem, especially responding to a surge. So, you know, it's going to be pretty miserable when you do that. I also have a couple other theories. In a pre-race interview with Let's Run, Kipchoge was asked if he, his training changed at all due to Boston's hilliness. And however, he did say that his training was the same. He said like something like, I don't know. What he, he's just said that like his training was pretty much the same. It has always pretty much been the same since his, the start of his marathon career. And obviously, if you've only lost three marathons, it's pretty effective. However, before Boston, at least to my knowledge, however, don't really take my word for it, Kipchoge has never really run a hilly marathon. All of the marathons that he has run were pretty flat. He's run Berlin, the Berlin Marathon, you know, that's where he, hit, he holds the world record, so it's pretty flat. 
the Tokyo Marathon, I think he ran like 202 there. Um, the Chicago Marathon, we, that's notorious for being flat. The London Marathon, I don't know about the Olympics, I don't know about Rio or the actual Tokyo uh, Olympic course, but the point is he's run pretty much all flat courses. So, you know, when Kipchoge said he didn't prepare any differently for Boston, I was like, okay, you know, there are a lot of rolling hills that he trains on in Kenya. Kipchoge should be fine. But I think the hills during the race were a surprise to Kipchoge, especially over like the second half, like over over the opening half, he was like taking it out really hard. And then I think over the the second half, he really that really caught up to him. So another thing that I think um, probably could have affected him is the fact that, like I talked earlier about in Boston, there are no pacers at the front. Unlike Berlin, Tokyo, or even Kipchoge broke two hours in the marathon. Kipchoge pretty much didn't run up front. He he had always had pacers with him, so he was pretty much um, he didn't really have to break the wind and pace until like I don't know the last I want to say 10k or maybe at least half well maybe half marathon okay. But in this race, Kipchoge ran up front for pretty much the whole time until he got dropped. In fact, there was one time during the race where Kipchoge was upset, waving his hands to his competitors, and he was tired of leading up front. So that, I think that really did play a role. I think this is the most likely theory. As long as the hilliness, I do think that, you know, there's there's no such thing or there's no way of pointing out, um, like, what factor ultimately caused Kipchoge to not race well. I think that, you know, upfront running wastes a lot of energy, um, you know, weather affects the rain affects it, you know. Um, so, you know, this is, this is what makes marathon marathons entertaining i think that you know the sport has many ups and downs the same person isn't going to win every day just just you know like the nfl we've seen tom brady choke in the nfl uh, quite a few times maybe not quite a few times but you know he's definitely had his down moments we've seen um a lot of upsets and so that's why sports are fun if if this never happened in sports where kipchoge he won every single race known to man why would we watch it? There's no point. We already know who's going to win the race. That's the point of the race. They just... Because if Kipchoge signed up for the Boston Marathon and he literally is going to win the race because he's won every single race and he's ran like 20 races, then why don't you just give him the gold medal? It's that simple. Sports are sports. That's part of the challenge. That's part of what the people or the athletes train for. So I don't like to give Kipchoge a lot of... A lot of grief. This happens in sports. So, you know, even Kipchoge, even though Kipchoge didn't win, he still ran 209 on a hilly, in a hilly Boston course and on a rainy course. And so Kipchoge is still Kipchoge, and Kipchoge is still human. He might have another comeback where he breaks the world record in his next race, and then he maybe wins the Olympic marathon next year. Who knows? Maybe he will win all six major marathons like he sets out to do. Or maybe Father Time will finally be catching up. And this will inevitably happen. Maybe it's not this time. Maybe Kipchoge has one last run. Maybe he has two more runs. I don't know. It's not my... <laughs> Obviously, I don't know. I'm getting a little passionate about this. But, you know, whatever happens, happens. And Kipchoge is still the GOAT. And so, you know, I think that Kipchoge, he's still GOAT not because of his time. Just his time. So because of his outright dominance. You know, he's lasted and he's dominated the marathon for 10 years. And he's won a world champion in like the 5K, I think, when he was like 17. This dude is insane. And sure, you know, there are other athletes out there like Kelvin Kiptum or Jacob Kiplimo, who I think could probably run faster than Kipchoge in the marathon. 
But you know what I think? Kipchoge, there's never going to be another athlete, at least not in this generation, in this century, that is going to have the same dominance that Kipchoge's had. So, you know, again, great job to Kipchoge. Best of luck to him in the future, and congratulations to Evans Javed. I just want to put a bow on this right now, okay? So, let's talk about- I didn't- sorry, I didn't talk about the women's race much, um, but I think the men's race was really exciting. We'll talk a lot about the women's race here, um, too, because I thought that was really entertaining. Um, but, you know, let's talk about the London Marathon now. So, this race brings a special history to the table, because many of the best runners of all time have run on this course, um, you know, uh, Kipchoge, uh, obviously has run on this course. He has the course record, like 202 or something like that. And today we certainly had some of the best fastest of all time run, because the London Marathon was literally today. Um, we had four out of the fastest men, uh, of all time run today. We had Kenanisa Bekele, who's arguably the greatest long distance runner of all time. He's had dominance pretty much everywhere, uh, the track, the road, the cross country, all of the above, second fastest marathon in history. Um, we have Kelvin Kiptum, the 23, young 23 year old with a 201.53, I believe, marathon debut. So he's really fast. We also have Burhanu Legese and Mazanet Garamahu, Garamo, uh, Gar something. Sorry, I can't <laughs> can't pronounce that well. Uh, so we, I'm just gonna call him Mazanet. My bad. Uh, there's also the world champion in the marathon in this field, Tamrat Tola, and Mo Farah, who is making his final marathon, and Jeffrey Camworo. Um, so, today, the spotlight for the London Marathon really shines on Kelvin Kiptum from Kenya. He really came in clutch like a champ. He ran a fast and respectable opening 10k behind the Pacers. Uh, he ran like 29-12, I think. Um, and so this pace only picked up. He ran an opening half of 104-40, uh, or 101-40, my bad. Um, and so, essentially, he's right on course record pace. Kipchoge ran an opening half of 101-37, so he's like only three seconds slower than what Kipchoge's half marathon split was when he broke the course record in 2019. But then something crazy happened, something that I think just makes me fall out of my chair just thinking about it. He went on to run the fastest half marathon in marathon history, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but he ran a 30k split in 1 hour, 27 minutes, and 23 seconds, and then he broke away and ran a 19th mile of 4 minutes and 43 seconds, which is right on 2 hour marathon pace. And then it gets even faster. His 5k split for the 30k to 35k mark was 1349 which is the fastest 5k split of all time and if you equate this the average um time per kilometers it equates to a one hour and 56 marathon pace this is insane we've never seen something like this and what makes it even more impressive was that he already ran a half marathon under his belt he's literally in the latter half even the latter third of this race so that the what so what makes this so special is then you know he's running on some pretty tired legs and so that's pretty insane but he even split a, a still insane time of 1401 for the 35k to 40k mark uh, for the 5k split but I think that this man is just insane, and I can't just stop saying it. This man is insane. Sometimes, some next time we'll say something differently besides insane. But this man is insane. He ran a final 10K of 27 minutes, 56 seconds, and he won the marathon in 2 hours, 1 minute, and 25 seconds, and broke Kipchoge's, of course, course record, 
And this isn't really that far. This is 16 seconds off of Kipchoge's uh, marathon world record pace of two hours, one minute, and nine seconds. This man, he's not insane. He's built different because his closing half was 59 minutes and 47 seconds. And I think the guy on um, uh, Total Running Productions said that the only person who ran a half marathon within 30 seconds and a marathon um, of Kelvin Kiptum was Kelvin Kiptum himself when he ran the Valencia Marathon. So I think that's pretty funny. But I think that, it, you know, if Kelvin Kiptum, if he puts his mind to it in the post-race interview, he said that he wasn't really focused on it right now. He said he's going to think about it and go home or, or something like that. But I think that if he really put his mind to it and he put his training towards it, I think that in the fall, if he decides to race Berlin or maybe Chicago or something like that, he totally has a shot at the world record. And I genuinely hope he goes after it. We, it, we've been shown over the past, you know, six months, that there's more talent in the field than just Kipchoge. And so I think that this is really good for our sport. It's going to keep it moving forward. And I applaud Kelvin Kiptum, the 23-year-old. We can't forget about a couple guys here, though. Jeffrey Camoro, I think he's like two times, two-time New York City Marathon champion or something like that. He finished second in 204. I don't think it goes on the dot, but I, I don't know the actual seconds. There's like 204. And, you know, you can't forget about Mo Farah. He has had a very respectable career. You know, it's been a little controversial, and I won't talk about that in this episode, but um, he's a two-time double Olympic gold medalist in 2012 and 2016 in the Rio or the London and uh rio olympics so this man has um totally just put up his legacy and his dominance and he's earned the respect of many and so he ran an impressive two hours 10 minutes in his final marathon and so i'm happy for mo in fact he just turned 40 so um you know that's pretty impressive for a 40 year old uh (laughs) very impressive actually now on the women's side you know, you might have set out a wow for the men's side here, but you're gonna also going to say see another shocker on the women's side. Um, and really, <laughs> we <can't, laughs> this race is pretty insane. It was a Safan Hassan, and uh, well, if you know anything about women's distance running, you probably know who Safan Hassan is, and we'll talk about her accolades in a little bit, but she actually had to stop right before the half marathon sp- split to stretch her legs. She had to like stretch her quads or something. And when you stop in a marathon, at least for most people, if, if you know that you've just stopped, it's not very good. Um, the probability of her winning was probably close to 0% at that point. However, she came back big time and she won in a classic sprint finish. She ran a final 400 meters in 64 seconds and won in 2 hours, 18 minutes and 33 seconds. This is mind-blowing. I don't know how you can come back from stretching your casually stretching at uh, halfway through the race to winning a race in a sprint finish that's insane and um i think that she might actually be one of the greatest female distance runners of all time well i know she is one of the greatest but she might actually be the greatest she ran before this she has all these accolades from all the way from 800 meters up to the marathon now she ran a 351 1500 meters a 14 22 5000 meters a world record in the one hour race running 18.9 kilometers she also ran a 105 half marathon and now a 218 in the marathon after stretching <laughs> additionally not just the times are cool she is a two-time olympic gold medalist i think she's won world champs european champs so she has done it all and if she can get another marathon under her belt of proper pacing with no stopping who knows what could happen so you know 
I don't know what to say, but yeah, have fun if you're gonna enter one of these races. Have fun trying to beat these guys. They're the greatest, and they will forever be the greatest. Thank you for listening to episode 23 of the Sunday Shakeout. I really enjoyed these global running updates. I think it's great to recognize the talent that we have in our great sport of long distance running and to, you know, put a spotlight on it. I think this is great. It's really important. And, you know, there's a lot to learn from this. And, um, you know, there's a lot to be entertained from. Both races were very entertaining, both the Boston Marathon and the London Marathon. So I hope for some... Um, more great marathons in the future. I don't know what's up next. I guess um, I'm really looking at World Champs, which is going to be up next. I think that uh, in August, we're probably going to do two straight weeks of just talking about World Champs. Um, we'll do like a big, long global running update about World Champs, and then we'll do the same thing the next week. Um, we'll also do probably a similar thing with USAs. That's probably happening like June or July or something like that. So stay tuned for that in a couple months, but... Uh, I think marathoning is super underrated. I think that track racing is the popular thing because obviously people can easily just line up on the stands and watch a race and watch the runners run by multiple times. Um, whereas in a marathon, if you're, um, you know, if you're watching a race, you probably only get to see the runners go by one time. So, but I think that it's worth the experience and it's worth seeing these incredible athletes because the marathon is an animal and there's always that saying, life is a marathon. If you enjoyed this episode of the Sunday Shakeout, please consider following to or subscribing to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I would also greatly appreciate a review in Apple Music, Spotify, or I think anywhere you find your podcasts. If you have any questions regarding running, please feel free to contact me at thesundayshakeout at gmail.com and I will get back to you as soon as I can. Um, I just want to say a special thanks to all my listeners for the great support I can't thank you all enough. You keep the lights on. You give me the motivation to come back every week and research and record these episodes. And so I thank you all so much. But I hope you all really enjoy the rest of your day and peace out. This is the Sunday Shakeout.